0: You. and then he says if you're obedient so there's a, obviously an act of something that we have to act out in faith and act out in obedience and act in diligence to and God says that he will reward and pour out blessings into our life and so we're learning as to how that uh, works and how we appropriate that and if you remember we looked at this in Matthew chapter 6 last week where it said concerning just the opportunity to find ourselves to be anxious or to get in worried or, or to take anxious thought he says don't worry about those things. That, you're, that you wear, that you eat, that where you'll sleep or where you'll live. He says, your heavenly father knows that you have need of all those things. And he says, but look at the sparrows. He says, doesn't he take care of them? How much more are you than they? And so God says, you're, you're special. And he, then he goes on to say this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things that he said, don't worry about will be added. As we looked at that, we said that in regard to seeking first the kingdom, we said that in regard to the kingdom, the Bible says that the kingdom is likened unto the principle of sowing and reaping. And then he also says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. And righteousness is not your righteousness, but in context, it is the thing. A rightness with God or the right way of doing things, or we could say it this way, God's system of doing things. And so in the context of that verse and that whole chapter, really, for that matter, he's talking about the things that we have need of, the things that will sustain us in life, the things that he's telling us don't worry about. But in order for those things or for God to add those to our lives like he said he would, he said there is something about kingdom living and there's something about righteous or... uh, the principles of God that we can appropriate to our life. And so, again, there's things that specifically pertain to that. So in regard to that, we said that concerning, first of all, the uh, system of God, we said that there is a system that God began to address with his people that is in regard to tithing. And he said over in Malachi chapter uh, 3, he said, uh, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. And he says, prove me, test me now, see that I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. So this is part of God's system that pertains to him taking care of us or meeting our needs. He also said that there's the principle of sowing and reaping. We saw over in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 where he said, if we'll give, it will be given back to us. He said, if we sow sparingly, we'll reap sparingly. If we sow bountifully, we'll reap bountifully. So there's the system by which God says we function or operate under. And so to look at this, I want to bring our attention to Hebrews chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible, and it says this. It says, but as it is, Christ has acquired a priestly ministry, which is more excellent than the old Levitical priestly ministry. For he is the mediator of a better covenant uniting God and man, which has been enacted and rests on better promises. So, this is what God said in the book of Hebrews. He said that through Jesus Christ, he says we now have a new covenant because Jesus is our priestly example or mediator between God and man. Right. And he said in regard to this, he says, you don't have a new covenant that did away with the old. The Bible says that we not only have the new covenant. He said we also have the old covenant that was given to us through Abraham. But he says this covenant that you have is actually a better covenant. Because this covenant brings everything to fruition or brings it to the full in the life of the believer. And then he also says that this covenant is made upon better promises. So once again, we as believers, being in the new covenant or having a relationship with Jesus Christ, he said that the covenant that we have is actually better. He said we didn't do away with the old, but it's better because the other was the foundation of, and we also have better promises that go along with it. Many people think that concerning the old covenant, that the old covenant has been done away with. No, it was the curse that came with the law that was done away with or that were redeemed from. But the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it says that the promises of that covenant, they belong to us and were heirs to that covenant through Abraham. Amen? And so then we also see this, speaking of that covenant, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, he says... And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your father's Abraham, as it is this day. So once again, notice what he said. He says that he will give us power to get wealth. And upon doing that, it establishes the covenant that he made with Abraham. Amen. So. The actual translation of power is this. He gives you wealth to get wealth. That word power is actually translated as wealth. He gives you wealth to acquire wealth. And by doing so, God establishes that covenant with you. Now, I find it interesting because when it comes to our tithe, he says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. He says, you've robbed me in it, meaning that the tithe belongs to me. But don't you find it interesting that God doesn't make it a direct deposit kind of thing, that it immediately is taken out of your account, saying, "Well, that's mine. You don't have any choice in the matter. It's coming out whether you like it or not." God don't do that. But what God does do is He gives it to you to give it back to Him. So from the very first part of that, where He says there is a system or God's system of the tithe, He says, "I'm letting you." function or have control of your tithe or the tithe money which belongs to God I'm giving you the power or wealth to acquire wealth therefore when you bring that wealth or that money back to God the Bible says that you gain wealth as a result of that and it establishes his covenant amen are you seeing that And what does it say? The Bible says that when you bring in the tithe, it says that God says, test me in this. See if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. So that means that God takes your money and he increases it, or I should say takes the tithe and he increases it. Amen. Let me read this to you just from this standpoint in Malachi chapter three, once again, for the. The sake of reading, it says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and that there uh, and try me now or test me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour, pour you out such a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive. So, in other words, God says that if you'll get into my system, there is an overflow. But in order for you to experience the overflow, you first got to get into the flow. Amen. So in other words, get into the system by which God operates. How many of you know that one of the names of God is not El Chippo, it's El Shaddai? I said one of the redemptive names of God is El Shaddai. It means the multi-breasted one, the God that's more than enough. Means that he has more sufficiency. He has the ability to take care of you. He's not El Chipo. And I believe that so many people within the church. Believe that God is a cheap God. And he's not. You know there's a kind of a joke amongst, amongst preachers. You know the church says. You know God you, 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 uh, you keep him humble. We'll keep them poor kind of thing. And somehow that living a life of poverty. Or living a life of lack. Is somewhat honoring to God. No the Bible says that when. When we're blessed. When we're overflowing in God's blessing and increase so that we can be a blessing to the kingdom of God, that God is actually honored in that, and it says that it establishes His covenant, or He does that to establish His covenant. Amen? So, when God opens up the doors for a new job, He's establishing His covenant. When He gets you into the new house, He's establishing His covenant. Amen? He's increasing us. So, there's a few things that I want to bring to your attention concerning this, because once again, there's questions that people have and when we look at it, we can break it down into a couple different areas. So let me read it to you once again from the book of Malachi, chapter 3. And I want to camp on some specific words. First of all, it says, bring all. Everybody say all. So it says, bring all the tithe to the storehouse. One translation, or I should, should say in, in one particular area, it speaks of it being bringing the first fruits, or in other words, bring the first of your increase to the Lord. So concerning the tithe, what do we, what do we think of? Do we think of paying our bills first? or do we say, God I want to honor you? So bring all the tithe into the storehouse, which is the local church that you may uh, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this it says. So when we break that down and look at God's system of doing things, My question, first of all, is there a new system? And the reason that I ask that question is because so many times when it comes to God's system of doing things, there are those that will say, well, look at the New Testament. The Bible talks over there in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 where it talks about giving as a purposes in your heart. It didn't say that there's a tenth or a tithe or anything of that nature. It says give as you purpose in your heart. But what they failed to to understand is that it's speaking of giving of offerings, not of tithe. And so many times people say, well, there's those theologians or there are those people that say God's doing things differently in the New Testament rather than the Old Testament. But if we begin to look at Malachi, just as we've read a few times there, Just in the verses prior, he says, I am the Lord your God. I change not. So God's telling us right before he starts talking about this thing, he says, I want you to know. You've already had some questions about this. You've been talking stout against me. You've been saying, is it worth even serving God when it comes to this thing called tithe and offering? He says, I want you to know I don't change. He establishes establishes that from the very beginning. And if that were so, the Bible tells us this. Let everything be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. So the scripture tells us all Scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine. So doctrine is what we believe or the standard by which we live according to the word of God, right? So if there is established doctrine, the Bible says that doctrine has to be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses or that the Bible will say it more than one time. That there will be multiple times that God speaks to this point to say, that is doctrinal, therefore this is how you can live. And so the Bible never tells us that the tithe has been done away with. The Bible never tells us that this system of tithing is different in the New Testament than it was in the Old. So is God's system, has the system changed, is there a new system? The answer is no. So where does the tithe go? Now, the reason that I approach this is because uh, one of the students that I have in the Bible school uh, had, had asked me, because we were talking about this very thing, and there's so much confusion about it. And he says, I've got a question for you. He says, I, I, I just want your opinion. He said, uh, when it comes to the time there was a season there where we went overseas and we helped out a, a, a church over there. We helped establish the church. And so because we had a heart for that church over there. He said, we started sending our tithe there. And he says, and I just want your opinion if that was right or that was wrong or not. And I said, well, I won't give you my opinion. I said, but I will give you what the Bible says. And I says, here's what the Bible says. First and foremost, the Bible says tithe or bring your tithe into the storehouse, meaning the local church, that there might be meat or that there might be food in my house. Where do you get spiritually fed? Do you get spiritually fed fed from the little church over in Africa? No, you get spiritually fed from the local church that you attend. So that would be, by default, the church that you bring your tithe into. And then he's like, well, yeah, but, you know, and he's wanting to split hairs with me. Then my next statement was, well, notice what the Bible says. It says to bring your tithe. It didn't say send it. So in other words... The only way that you can bring it is bringing it to the place that you attend. Because obviously you can't bring it on a consistent basis when you get your paycheck and say, well, I'm bringing it to Africa today. I'm bringing it, you know, you can't. Right? You understand what I'm saying? So once again, it breaks down this barrier or misunderstanding as to God's system of how he does things. The tithe goes to the local church. He says, bring all the tithe. And when it comes to the tithe, you don't Excuse me, when it comes to tithing, tithing is not giving. There has to be that, that understanding. Remember in Malachi, he says, you've robbed me in this. You've robbed me in the tithe, and you've robbed me in the offering. Now, the reason that we've robbed him in both, or why he spoke to that, he says, number one, the tithe belongs to me. But secondly, when you give offering, you rob me the opportunity to bless you back in your life. Right? And here's the thing. When we start talking about this aspect of giving, we need to be led in our giving. God, where would you have me to give? Now, we can speak to more specifics of that of that later. But you always want to be led. Because there can be times where you're watching a Christian television. Or you might have a guest minister that comes in. And they're preaching real good. And therefore, you get all worked up emotionally. And you can be led by your emotions and say, well, I'm going to give a big offering. Well, if it wasn't led by God and it was only led by the emotions, then you don't have the results or you might get into fear rather than faith when it comes to your giving. Oh, dear God, what did I just do? Oh, my gosh. So you don't want to do that. You want to be led when it comes to your giving. But you never have to be led when it comes to your tithe. You know what I'm saying? Because what is the tithe? The tithe means 10th 10 or 10%. So you don't have to be led in how much it is. God makes it real clear. If you're poor, if you're rich, it's just 10%. It's 10 cents on every dollar. So you don't even have to get all spiritual about it. You don't have to get in your prayer closet and pray for five hours and say, Oh, dear God, I want to be led in my tithing. Should I give? The only place that you need to be led in is what church to go to. If you're led to go to that church, and that's the church that you call home, then that's all the leading that you need. The second part is is just simply being obedient. Okay, God, I'm led here. This is my church. Now I'm going to purpose to be obedient and follow you and trust you and give you the tithe that you said belongs to you. Amen? And so as a result, we begin to honor God with the substance that he increases, increases us with. And when we fail to understand God's system, God is never looking to get money from you for the sake of putting you in hardship. He's always doing it for the sake of giving him the opportunity to bless you in return. Notice what he said, "You give tithe and then test me." He said, "See if I won't do what I said." He said there is always something on the back end of what you do. And so many times people get real squeamish, "Oh, well, I don't want to I don't want to bother God with Asking him for a need, or I don't want to seem presumptuous, or I don't want to be greedy, or, you know, God's sovereign. He knows what I have need of. No, in Matthew's gospel, it says God knows that you have need of before you ask. So it's okay saying, God, I'm tithing today. And because I'm a tither, I expect you to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing I don't have room enough to receive. God, I'm a tither today, and I just expect and I just believe that you're opening up doors that no man can shut. God, I'm a tither, and so therefore I just believe that my kids are blessed. My wife, my husband is blessed. My home is functioning. The devourer's rebuke for my sake because I am a tither. And I can expect you to do it, God. In fact, I would challenge you to get dogmatic and, and just get in the face of God. Not being a spoilt little brat, not being a little arrogant kid, but coming to God saying, God, you said, and therefore I can come with all assurance and confidence right now. And God likes that because it's testing him or proving out his word. Amen? But if we fail to understand God's system of doing things, we begin to step back and find excuse as to why not to give. Or not to tithe, I should say. And I'll be the first to tell you, there are times in life when things are coming up, bills are due, Things break down and you're thinking, okay, do I buy the new washing machine or do I tithe? (laughs) There's a question, right? Do I be faithful to God or do I rob God? So there's always an opportunity for us to step out and trust God. But if you don't understand God's faithfulness and his heart towards us concerning that, you'll always find a reason not to be faithful in the tithe. And what you end up doing is you begin to rob God. I remember a young lady said to me one time, she said, the last church that I went to, the pastor was mis- misusing the funds and misappropriating where they are going. And so, therefore, I just have a real trust issue, and so I don't tithe, pastor. She's just real real straightforward. I I just I don't tithe because of what that pastor did. So what you're saying is that because that pastor, that man, was unfaithful and was a was a crook or whatever he was you chose to become a thief yourself and saying well I'm not gonna die because I just can't trust what does, I don't think it's a matter of you trusting man I think what it is is that you've just lost your trust in God concerning your finances and it's a whole lot easier for you to hang on to that money rather than saying God I'm going to be faithful in trusting you amen so if you will turn in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 27 leviticus genesis exodus leviticus it's the third book of the bible now i really want to challenge you with this because this is how important god sees it and i really hope that i want you to hear my heart because god is never about being a heavy-handed hard god he's always looking to bless us he's always looking for opportunity but there is a seriousness to this side of really beginning to say, God, I'm going to trust you. Now, you don't have to show hands. But I'm pretty certain that everybody in here at some point in time has fallen behind on a bill. If you fall behind in the bill, what happens? Help me out. Group, it's late. Late charge, okay? So you have to pay penalties, in some instances, you have to pay interest, right? All right, if you, and again, you don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever uh, overdrafted your account? Maybe it's through the ATM machine or you, you wrote a check and you forgot about something else, and therefore, as a result, you, you overstretched your bank account. What happened? You got penalized, right? And it cost you money. And so there's always penalties, or in the natural realm of life, there are things that come and and really deem you because of just your maybe it be ignorance, maybe it be just the lack of understanding, or just a mistake, or whatever it might be. And we do that, we we respond to those bills and those charges like, well, yeah, it was my mistake. (laughs) You know, I guess I got to pay it. No sense in arguing it. Leviticus chapter 27. Verse 31. I bet you didn't even know this was in the Bible. It says, it, says this, it says, if a man wants at all to redeem or to take possession of any of his tithe, he shall add one-fifth to it. What's one-fifth? Anybody know what one-fifth is? 20%. So God says, if you... Want to play around with the tithe? If you want to redeem some of it, you want to hold some of it back, you want to rob some of it, you want to take some of it for, for you, he says there's a penalty that comes with it, and it's 20% interest. Wow. Now, doesn't that make sense? Now, I don't believe that God is a, a God that is up there. <laughs> you know, He's up there just tallying it off. I believe God is a God of mercy. And for some of us, I mean, there may be such a tally of interest, we could never get caught up in a lifetime. I just believe that God is faithful and that it's a heart thing. If we say, God, will you please forgive me? And God says, I'm faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. Therefore, clean slate. I believe that that's the heart of God. But when people willfully and knowingly say, I'm going to rob God, I'm going to hold back my tithe. All of a sudden, the curse starts operating in their life. Remember, that's why Malachi was written. He's saying, listen, I I want you to be blessed, but you've got a curse going on right now. And it's because of some of these things. And then you start looking at people's lives and you're thinking, man, it just seems like everything goes wrong. I mean, they buy a new car and the car's a lemon. They, they, their, their washing machine goes out. The the microwave just seems like it's always kicking out on them. The kid is always sick. It just seems like if it's raining, it's pouring at their house. And you think, dear God, what is up with those those people? What's up with that family? And you begin to see that there is... Something going on and there's interest that is accumulating and the enemy will take every opportunity to say, "Ha ha, you've opened up the door. The devourer is coming. And we're thinking, oh, dear God, why is this happening to me? And God says, man, there is things going on in your life. And if you just simply close the door. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, as a pastor, you see that all the time. People squawk about that 10 percent thing. But they pay way more in all the stuff that goes wrong. When God could just say, hey, listen, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. I'll bless you. I'll increase you. And some of it's just a step of faith. In fact, I should say it this way. It is a step of faith. It is an act of faith to say, God, I will trust you in it. Where we're at as a church. I think I've shared this with you before. But here we are in a building project, getting ready to take things to the next level. It's a step of faith. And you say, well, how are you going to do that? I don't know. I just know that God's faithful. I just know what God's leading us to do in this season right now. But God's faithful. He's bigger than us. He's always met the needs of wherever we've been. And then on top of that, you know, there was, it was in my heart to have a, a, a guest minister come in in October. And so he's like, yeah, sure thing, that works right. So you realize it costs money to bring in a guest minister, right? Airfare, hotels, then you got up the offering, you got food. I mean, it just adds up quick. And that's just simply because God put it on our heart to bring in a minister to be a blessing to the church. Well, then Pastor Mark, one of, one of my, my spiritual mentors, calls and says, hey, listen, I'm going to be in the area. He said, can I come to your church? He said, I want to be a blessing to your church on, on a Wednesday night. Can I come? And I'm like, absolutely. I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to question because that's my spiritual father. And he's saying, hey, I want to come into your church. And it's an honor for me. But everything on the inside of me is streaming and saying, ah, I've got a guest minister coming in October. And you want to come in August. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> it's like, how are you going to do it? I don't know, but God's faithful. I said, God's faithful. And then on top of that, you got the building stuff going on. And can't you just see God doing it? It's like right in the middle of August. Everything's going to unfold. Everything's going to come together. It's time to move. And then you're like, oh, dear God, what are you going to do? God's faithful. He will see it all come to pass. I think I've shared this with you before, but I'll close with this with this thought. Just concerning God's faithfulness because God is faithful to you if you'll trust him. I've always told you that as a church, we as a church tithe. Meaning whatever comes in, 10% goes out for the sake of being faithful and working by the system that God has applied. And I think I shared this with you, but when we first bought this building, we only had X amount of dollars. And I got a hold of a guy that said he would stucco the outside of the building. And he said, it's going to be X amount of thousands of dollars. And I said, okay. I said, well, I said, uh, when can you start? He told me when he could start. I only had half of the money in the bank before he started. Now, he said that he was going to give us a reduced rate so he could do it throughout the summer months. And so I thought, well, I got the summer. I can raise the money. But none of the money ever came in. Zero. So the money that we had to begin with, which was half the amount, was the same amount that I had as it still continued to go on. And I'm seeing the production of the building take place and, you know, it looked a lot better than what it does now because, you know, weather just has this way of beating it up. But it's coming to an end and finally one day, it was Monday, after a church service, the bill was slipped through the door, paid in full by such such a time. Well, naturally I'm thinking to myself, I've only got one Sunday, which is next Sunday between now and when the bill is due. And so I'm thinking, Well, God, you're faithful. I've only got half the amount of money, but you know, or you do when the bill was due. That next Sunday I had two doctors that came and sat in the service. And they gave an offering between the two doctors that covered the other half the multiple thousands of dollars that was due to make up the difference I didn't know how God was going to do it I just knew that God said in fact before that I didn't share that but I, I, I wrestled with the Lord before I even gave the guy the okay to do it because I said God all I have is half and God says did I ask whether or not you had the full amount or did you just ask me is it okay to go ahead and do it and I said well I just asked you if it's okay and you said okay he said then okay <laughs> And god met the need There's always going to be those times in our life Where like god is just not a good time God it don't make sense to the Natural senses But god is far bigger And he's able to do exceedingly Abundantly above all that we ask or think Amen So once again we've been just taking our offering At the end of the service Not to cause you to be Compelled Or stir your emotions to give bigger or more but I simply want you to do it with an understanding of how faithful God is and that when you're faithful, God is faithful and therefore when we give tonight, we can give with a heart of faith Amen Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus I thank you for this opportunity to give tonight God, I thank you that you are faithful God, you see the needs of this church and when I say church I mean the church as a corporation and the church as people individual. God, you see the needs of your church. And so, God, we purpose to trust you. We trust you when it seems as though there's not a way of escape. We trust you when everything seems like it's against us and it's impossible. God, we trust you when it seems as though we're up against the wall because you're faithful. And so, God, we give tonight. We give and we expect the return back into our life. It doesn't matter whether we're retired. It doesn't matter whether we have a a job that has a certain of income. God, you are faithful to meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory. And so we thank you in advance and expect to see it come. And everyone said, Amen.